What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. The 2022 trade deadline is behind us. A transformative period for the Pacers, as predicted by the Pacers the last few months. Some massive deals, including one that we haven't yet spoken about that went down on trade deadline day. A huge uh, press conference by Kevin Pritchard. A really interesting game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And just a probably the most newsworthy week uh, since Paul George got traded, I would say, uh, in, in the Pacers history. So we've had a couple of newsworthy weeks over the last probably 10 years. One of them was when Danny Granger got traded. One of them was when Paul George got traded. And then there was probably this week, I would say. Um, Justin, is this kind of the most active you've ever seen the Pacers at the trade deadline in your whole life? I feel like I've never seen... uh, Kevin Pritchard had only made one trade or two trades um, in season, his whole tenure at the Pacers. But I, I can't remember the Pacers as a franchise being this active at the trade deadline ever before. No, I think you're right, Adam, and probably goes back to the Danny Granger-Evan Turner trade, which I know that was a small trade, but that kind of blew up the team. So that was that was a big trade deadline um, period for the Pacers. But, yeah, it was I, – I thought it would happen. Like, I know we, we said Domas probably wouldn't be traded, but once Levert was traded, it looks like Pacers were going down the path. You knew they were going to make a different move or another move, sorry. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. You see all the – all the fans on Twitter, they're excited about Pacers basketball again. And whether, you know, the Pacers don't make the players for a few years now, there's hope towards the future. It's so good seeing fans excited. It was so good seeing the energy for Pacers versus Cavaliers. You know, the fans were into, into it. Although they lost, it was great to see. And, um, yeah, it's exciting times ahead, isn't it? Huge. And, Alex, I want to talk to you about that first quarter against the Cavs. But before I do that, I want to ask about Jalen Smith. I mean, Jalen Smith was traded for Victoria Craig and a 2027 second round pick. I believe the pick we got uh, in the Sabonis deal or in the Levert deal earlier in the trade period. Uh, So that was a pick that was acquired. So we picked up a guy who was drafted 10th, whose team option hasn't been picked up for next season. So if he is signed, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So if we want to re-sign him, we'll be potentially competing against other teams. But um, it really intriguing 6'10 power forward can obviously hit a three pointer. Um, just the perfect guy that you want to long look at in a different situation for the rest of the season, Alex. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, the whole point of getting this guy, right? Like, you take a chance on a lottery pick, it's a high risk, a oh, low risk, I should say, high reward move for the paces. They free up some cap space, getting rid of Tory Craig and. Also, don't underestimate the fact that this opens up minutes for O'Shea Brissett, who's only 23, and I think we often forget about him in this rebuild. But I don't forget about him, Alex. (laughs) I do not forget about O'Shea Brissett ever. I'm so excited. You're the the number one O'Shea Brissett fan in the world, so I'll I'll throw that one in there. But, yeah, look, for for Smith, he showed you, right? Like, he made a couple of good moves, finished at the rim. Uh, He's definitely got some weaknesses, of course. That's why the Suns let him go, but... Yeah, he's a, he's a guy for me who you absolutely take a chance on, but you kind of alluded to it there. The only issue is if he balls out, we can only offer him what he would have gotten in that one year from the Suns. I think it's like four point something million for one year. 
So if he plays really well, maybe another team offers him a multi-year deal. Uh, but but hey, look again, like that's a guy you absolutely take a risk on every day of the week if you're the Pacers. Absolutely. I mean, we now have a rotation of big guys that we can play over the rest of the season. Uh, you know, to pair with Miles Turner to try and find his long-term partner in the on the Pacers to see if there is his long-term partner on the Pacers. You look at Isaiah Jackson. You look at Jalen Smith. You look at O'Shea Brissett, one of those guys could very well be the starting power forward on opening day next season uh, next to Miles Turner. If, you know, Miles Turner continues to be on this team, he will need a guy who uh, can allow him to, I guess, operate with a bit more freedom inside, stretch the floor, um, defend, potentially, you know, spell him uh, spot minutes at centre. Jackson, you know, can do all those things. Jalen Smith can do some of them and O'Shea Brissett can do some of them. So it depends on the type of lineup you want to build. But I think, you know, the probably the odd man out, Justin, we've spoken about it at length before, is, is Goga Batatse. And Goga just looks really lost out there. And it's, you know, you don't, you like to see everyone succeed, but I just, I just, don't know why the team option was picked up and I don't know why they continue to persist. And now they probably don't have a reason to continue to persist with Goga because they have Tristan Thompson, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett, even with Miles Turner out, they have guys that can fill those minutes. You saw Goga play four minutes, get benched, make some poor decisions. And Justin, he does, he just does not look like he, can match the pace of the NBA. No, and I think all Pacer fans, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'd be more excited seeing Jalen Smith on the court than Goga uh, for the future. So I don't know, can Goga be traded draft night? Because I feel like that that's kind of going down the path. I'm not sure if he can, uh, but if he can, I'd, I'd hope KP maybe swings a deal for him. There's a bit of maybe embarrassment on KP's side. I've kind of heard through the cracks that, him giving up on another draft pick. He's, he's drafted recently. If he trades Goga, it's probably not a good look. But I feel like this trade deadline moves he's made might save him where fans aren't going to be too critical of uh, trading Goga. So I feel like he's got a bit of a free pass on that one. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting next two, three months for the Pacers. Um, I feel like more moves are coming uh, draft night. I, look, it's a really important point you bring up about, you know, the not wanting to give up on a pick. Two points on that. Firstly, you're talking about a guy who just drafted Chris Duarte, uh, Isaiah Jackson, uh, found Terry Taylor, and Dwayne Washington. So there's four guys that are giving you some sort of contribution right now. So I think there's a lot of... Uh, positive feeling toward KP's draft ability. Um, and I think people would not hold it against him to get rid of a guy like Goga or to move Goga on to a different situation um, because it's clear that it's not working. Now, Goga could go somewhere else and, you know, learn from someone different, different voice and become a meaningful NBA contributor. I, I would love to see that for him, but he has not shown any signs of that in three years. So, um, you know, I feel like we we play, we sit on the fence a little bit on this show. We don't want to bash guys, but also we want to be realistic. And realistically, 
Goga is not an NBA player right now. So I want to also bring up KP's press conference because it was really interesting what you said there about KP giving up on another draft pick. KP made a point in his press conference of referencing Alex that they have changed the structure of their scouting. So it is clear that they've acknowledged internally, whether it be prior to this season or this season, that their scouting was not going to get them what they needed. So I don't know whether there's a beefed up scouting department because they've got a scout now across all areas of the draft, the start, the middle, the end, or whether they've changed the actual personnel that are involved in scouting these guys because, you know, uh, TJ Leaf, Gogo Patatze, Aaron Holiday, you've got those guys in the middle to end of the first round that were all drafted prior to this draft, this past draft, and none of them were successful, Alex. So it's clear that they changed something in their approach this season because you don't go from not hitting three times in a row to effectively drafting or picking up four incredibly good players and one in O'Shea Brissett just before the draft toward the end of the season is effectively four or five players that are on this roster now that are outplaying either not being drafted at all or being drafted later. So it's clear that the scouting department of this team has significantly improved. Yeah, I think in the last 18 or so months, something's clearly changed. Um, and look, it, it still hurts to look back at those drafts, especially the TJ Leaf one, given that OG, uh, John Collins were right there. I think Jared Allen was even taken after shit. He would have been better. Like, there's so many players you look back and, and wish the Pacers could have taken him. But um, yeah, look, uh, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that was the biggest criticism, right? Like KP's always been good in trades, never questioned him in the trade market, but his biggest criticism was this guy can't draft. He cannot make good draft picks. And we, first of all, we got to say it, it's harder to hit in that 18 to 25 range than it is for lottery teams, right? Like that that's number one. I think that this draft might've just saved him a little bit in that. Like fans are going to have way more faith in him now, I think than they would have 12 or 16 months ago. But yeah, look, th this draft's going to be the biggest draft in Pacers franchise history. I mean, we, we've had, what, like one top nine pick, I think, haven't we? So to, to get a top five pick potentially, and then I don't think he'll be done. I don't think he'll use the Cavs and Rockets pick. That's my semi-hot take for you guys. I don't know if you'll agree. I think from everything that, that he alluded to on there, I think he's going to be super aggressive. And I, I think he's going to try to move up with either those two picks or he might try to move up if he gets like the sixth or seventh. I definitely, I do not see him staying in the positions that he ends up with after the lottery and after the season's all said and done. So we, we get six, 23 and 32. I mean, Justin, that, that is prime to either be able to move up to get the franchise cornerstone that you want, or to be able to package that 23 and 32 along with something else, Malcolm Brogdon to get, <laughs> another lottery pick. I mean, there are so many options that this team now has with both its cap space, um, the guys that are remaining on the roster, the picks that it has. So uh, I'm expecting an incredibly active Kevin Pritchard and more rumors to leak because everyone else leaks, but the Pacers don't. So if someone's going to leak, it, it won't be him. 
The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 887-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Yeah, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? I'm really, really excited for the draft. The most excited I've ever been as a Pacer fan watching the draft because we're going to have a top... Five, six, seventh pick, uh, you'd say, unless it, things go real bad in the next few uh, months. But I just want to give a shout out to KP because I I think that that press conference was a ten out of ten. He he nailed that, like yeah, absolutely nailed it. There's a press conference last year, his season ending one. I thought it was horrible. <laughs> the one where he was saying basically, you know, TJ Warren this, TJ Warren that. If we had TJ Warren, you know, he's acting like TJ Warren was Michael Jordan. Uh, this, this press conference was absolutely amazing. You, you saw Pace Nation. They were all so happy with it. But myself watching it, he he didn't blame it on injuries this season, which I loved. He he could have because that's an easy out. He, he didn't say it at all. You know, he did say we just never got to see what this team was because of injuries. But he said there comes a time where you just have to put a stop to it and say enough's enough, which, which I loved him saying. Um, he also, the, in his opening statement, said the tough out comment. We all, yeah. we all hate. We, we all hate. And it's funny. He's seen the comments. He's seen yes. whether it be from our Twitter account. He follows the Pacer Roos. We've mentioned it. Whether it be from other Pacer fans, we hated the tough out. And he he clarified it for us. And you know what? It, it was great to see him say, we want to be a championship team. Herb Simon wants to be a championship team. So, yeah. uh I, that renewed my love for the pace is that press conference. So KP, if you're listening, thank you for that. Thank you for the trades you made because you kind of re re-energized a whole fan base that has been sapping for probably since that Pacers cab series with Oladipo Bogdanovich. Uh, unbelievable. I think the, the thing that struck me was exactly what you said there and it can't be understated it is clear that the sentiment of the fan base has somehow reached the desk of Kevin Pritchard. And he felt the need to address the concerns of the fan base because we're not a huge fan base, but we're pretty vocal and we're pretty clear. And I feel like the fan base, aside from the segments you get in every fan base are pretty fair, but the tough out stuff, the injuries, the, you know, the excuses, the little team stuff. Like he even clarified Herb Simon's comments and said that he was probably trying to instill a bit of confidence in the team, but that it became more apparent 
that this team was not, you know, where it needed to be and significant changes needed to be made. Do I necessarily believe that comment? Well, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that the owner made those comments in the first place because it sounds to me like it was the owner saying what the owner wants because they're a billionaire and say what they want. But I think the key for me was the ability of KP to be able to confirm what we all thought, which is, you know, we're not trying to lose, but we are looking to the future. We are building franchise cornerstones. Uh, we identified, I found it really interesting that uh, he was very open and clear about the fact that they were trying to get Halliburton and Halliburton was a player that they had targeted. I do wonder, and this is a question for both of you, Tyrese Halliburton's comments about wanting to get, lift the Kings culture and wanting to be the, the point man in terms of changing the culture of that entire franchise. Do you think the Pacers with a lack of a leader and the lack of a strong presence and the lack of that guy that they've been searching for since Victor Oladipo first came to the franchise and did something similar in, in terms of still instilling that sort of culture in the locker room. Do you think they looked at this guy and said, that's our guy. That's our leader, Alex. He seems like it. He seems like a natural born leader, man. I mean, I know he's only 21, so it's very tough to put the the entire franchise's expectations on a 21-year-old who's been in the league for a year and a half. But for me, I, I the thing I loved the most was his post-game comments. Right? Like He talked about he was really upset with his performance in the fourth quarter. He had six turnovers, which, like, whatever, it's his first game with a franchise, a new system. Obviously, you're going to have those turnovers. But he was upset with himself. He wanted to be better. I mean, he, he had, what, 23, 6, and 3 steals, and he wasn't happy with his performance. So... To me, that's the the type of guy the Pacers have desperately needed, and he's twenty one. He, so I, I, uh, the people have to be patient with him, but I think he will be a leader in the very near future. I think the key characteristic I can already identify with him that vibes with what this team want is humility. He seems incredibly humble. He seems very driven. He seems very hungry and very focused, Justin, on what he wants to do. So, you know, I haven't. Aside from his uh, NFT and crypto stuff, I haven't really followed Tyrese Halliburton a hell of a lot aside from seeing he's a really good player. So he seems like the type of personality that could be the leader in your locker room for, as KP said, the next 10 years. Yeah, KP mentioned in his presser that he spoke to the whole team. I think it was prior to the Atlanta game. Could be wrong, maybe Cavs. Probably Atlanta. Um, And he, he, he... saw those different energy in the room and it was could be a bit of a change of leadership happening. That's what he said. So, you know, the Domas, Brogdon, Turner trio where no one really knew who the leader was. Um, hey, you know, ownership's come in and said this 21-year-old, we want him to be the face of the franchise for the next 10 years. So um, I hope he grabs it with both hands. It, it sounds like it. Like Alex, you mentioned his post-game uh, interview is great. I thought he was probably one of, if not our best players that game, and he comes comes out saying I was awful. Uh, the turnovers I did were unacceptable. Geez, I haven't heard a pace to say that in a long time. Usually it's pointing fingers and <laughs> saying this, oh, it's his fault, it's his fault, it's the coach's fault. Um, I think it was terrific. So I'm all aboard him. I, it was great to watch. He's efficient. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, this just goes back to me with Malcolm Brogdon. I don't see where he fits in, Adam. 
I, I don't see his long-term future with the team. I know we've always said Brogdon's probably not a one. He's probably a two at his best spot, but I, I don't see them being a good match. I, I just think we could look better elsewhere for a better two guard. I I said on the last episode, and and I think it was met with a little bit of laughter from you guys that Brogdon had played his last game for the franchise. And look, I, I'm kind of sticking to that just from the standpoint of, firstly, what is the benefit in playing this guy over the rest of the season? There does not appear to be any benefit for this franchise. We are not gunning for a championship. He's not healthy. He's rehabbing an Achilles injury. You do not want a situation like Victor Oladipo where you have knee soreness, knee tightness, and he blows out a quad. I mean, you could quite easily have a situation where Brogdon comes back from an Achilles injury and hurts his Achilles significantly and tears it or something. Touch wood, that knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But you cannot, for me, risk that long-term impact to his career and for the franchise, his value um, by playing him over the course of the rest of this season. You have your backcourt of the future. You drafted one of them in last July and you just traded for the other. So for me, Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte should be the backcourt that we continue to build around. I love the uh, Halliburton Duarte healed uh, backcourt or wing rotation that they played against Cleveland. I think that's going to be fun to watch because that's kind of all I care about at this point, seeing development and seeing fun games because this team has been lacking fun for so long. Um, I love having Isaiah Jackson out there catching lobs. It's awesome. I love seeing 6'10 Jalen Smith show flashes of, you know, being able to stretch the floor and, and making good plays. I think we have an opportunity here as a fan base to just enjoy the rest of the season without even worrying about the record, without even worrying about, you know, injuries and impacting on trade value and that sort of thing. And I think Malcolm Brogdon probably wants to compete for a title. He's not going to compete for a title next season. So trade him to a contender, trade him to somewhere that he's got a better chance for a title next season, you know, draft a really, really, really good player or two. And you've, you know, set this franchise in motion for 10 solid years of contributions by the young guys. And then you have that luxury that every team wants where you've got four or five really good young guys and you can't afford to keep them all. So you get more assets. Like it, this, this is a no brainer to me, Alex. I just don't know why you would play Brogdon one more minute the rest of the season and one more minute for the paces. Not because I don't like the guy. I think he's been good for us when he's been healthy, but it just doesn't make sense. I feel like the, the listeners have to be getting sick of it, surely. I mean, I know we sound like broken records on here, but it's because it is true, right? Like, there is literally zero point. Maybe some could argue that you want to see if Halliburton and Brogdon are a good fit. Uh, I don't know. But as you said, Adam, if your vision is to move Brogdon in the offseason, why would you possibly risk him worsening that Achilles. Like every time he's played in the last like month and a half, he has gone either out of the game in like the first three quarters or he's missed the next game yep. because of the same soreness. So yeah, there, there is literally zero point. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, again, the paces are the paces. So they will probably trot him out there in like the next week. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, yeah, you're right. I, I kind of hesitated when you said that last episode, Adam, but I agree with you more now than when you said it on the last episode. I think it's more likely 
but he hasn't just because of Capri's presser. Talked a lot about Halliburton, didn't talk once about Brogdon. So, yeah, I think it's a bit likely. It's good that you come around. I'm always right. Now, Miles Turner. <laughs> I need to talk about Miles Turner for a second. We, we haven't mentioned Miles a lot on this episode and we haven't reached our quota of at least 15 to 20 times mentioning him because he does our intro. Um, <laughs> Miles Turner stayed with the Indiana Pacers, which wasn't necessarily a surprise after Demarcus Sabonis was traded. But with Miles Turner staying on the Pacers, Justin, I'll throw to you first. Uh, we've been told that he's out until at least March. Same question. Do you play Miles Turner one more minute the rest of the season? Is Miles Turner still a pacer? I thought he got traded for Nick Claxton. Graphics. <laughs> um, I hope there's an inside joke to that. I hope Pacer fans are laughing right now. But um, yeah, uh, I think Miles will play. Miles will play for sure. Do I think, yeah, like, I don't know. We still need to build some continuity with the team. Miles is obviously going to be a pacer. I don't think we're going to deal in draft night. So I do want to see how him and Tyrese will go on the floor together, that point guard kind yeah. of center um, on defense. So, yeah, Miles will play. And, yeah, look, Brogdon, unfortunately, look, by the time this episode's up, he's probably playing against Minnesota, to be honest with you, because he's been questionable six games in a row, so they're not shutting him down for the season. Um, yeah, that's my point of view. But, yeah, uh, I can't see his long-term fit with the Pacers. All right, last question before we go. Super Bowl picks. It's uh, it's Rams and Bengals. I uh, It's the year of the Tiger. Chinese New Year just happened, year of the Tiger. Everything's pointing at Bengals. Karma's pointing at the Bengals. Love Joe Burrow. Uh, can't help but think the Rams have a better team, but the Bengals seem like a team of destiny to me. So for me, I want to see the Bengals get it done. Alex? Um, I like the underdogs, but I like Matthew Stafford. I wanted him on the Colts, so I'm rooting for, for Stafford. I think he's going to win it. Justin? Uh, yeah, I think the Rams will win. I know Drake's got a lot of money on him and it might be the old, uh, <laughs> what's it called, the Drake effect or something when he always <laughs> always loses. But um, yeah, I think the Rams will win. They're blue and yellow, so pace and nation, we're going to stick with them, right? Very true. And probably the uh, what, what promises to be one of the greatest halftime shows of all time happening in SoFi Stadium tomorrow with uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop. Uh, Eminem, Kendrick, and Mary J. Blige. Uh, we are three white guys from Australia, but we still listen to <laughs> hip hop. All right. We've been the Paceros. We will see you again next time with what's going to be a wild last couple of months of the season. Mm-hmm.